Welcome to Teach Me Something, the podcast where I learn about something I care about, and then uh, hope you do too. Yes, of course. My name is Melissa. And I'm Everett. And this episode is, shockingly, that's never happened before, turned into a two-part episode. Two-part? Or should we just leave it at multi-part at the moment? No, two-part. I'm very mm-hmm. certain about that. There's giving, other things I want to I'm giving you eyebrows right now. I don't conceivably see how it could turn into any more than two parts. Okay. Because as you'll probably see, and I'm just guessing here because we're just starting, this is a long episode. Okay. So, you know, I chucked all this information in here and next episode, yeah, I've got it planned out. Excellent. And it'll be fine. Okay. You'll just have to sit through this long episode. My apologies. And then the next one. I don't think the next one will be like... Not that it'll be the long. The extra five minutes long. I'm just saying, if this is moved into multiple parts, you'll also have to sit through the next episode in order to get the full story. You don't have to. Okay. I'm not going to be mad if anyone skips an episode. Next episode is just going to be about Homo sapiens. Hmm. And everyone knows about them because we're them. So that's boring. Right. So boring. Lame, Lame. some would say. Lame episode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we dive on in, okay, I do have one thing I want to clarify from last episode because it is really bugging me. So normally, um, I don't listen to our podcast. I don't, I, I'm not the only one that feels this way, but it's weird to listen to yourself speak mm-hmm. on a, on a recording, but, um, our son, you know, being on the episode really wanted to listen to it. So I had it on the car and realized that I said something completely wrong, which really bugs me because I had the right information in my notes right in front of me and I just kind of said it anyways. So I had said that Von Diemen's Land was like the old name for Australia. Hmm. Um, it's actually Tasmania. Hmm. Um, and I had that in my notes and yet we're talking about Australia. So I just said Australia. Of course. And so my apologies to everyone from anywhere near there and just anyone that was, you know, Deeply offended. Okay. And uh, now it kind of has me wondering what other things I've just said wrong, but I'm not about to go listen to other episodes to find out, so oh well. Yeah, you'll have to email us. You will, and I'll then issue a correction notice on my next episode. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, how about you teach me something? Okay. I mean, I think I just did, but you know. True. We'll we'll keep it up. Um, This episode is going to focus on all the ancient, archaic... Hominins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hominin is a fun word to say. Um, so I thought I should start with what is a hominin? That'd be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, so before, when we used to classify when we used to, when we earlier on in our quest to classify all living things taxonomically, we were like, okay, humans are special. So obviously we should classify them in our own special group. Okay. So we divided the apes into um, three different families. You know, great apes, lesser apes, and humans. Right, yeah. Right. So our family was the hominidae, or the hominids. Yes. Hominid, with a D. Yeah. 
Um, but then, you know, we learned stuff and technology got better and learned more stuff. And we realized that that's not right. <laughs> that's really just not right. So in the new scheme they made, um, the super family of apes this is the hominoidea. Cool. Is, is now divided into just two families, hominidae and hylobatidae. Okay. What's hylobatidae? I believe I would go on to explain that to you, but... Well, then take that as a segue. That works. <laughs> so, Hominidae still contains humans, but also the rest of the great apes. Okay. So, Hylobatidae is the lesser apes. So, we're talking gibbons and siamangs. Okay. Um, next, we're going to divide Hominidae into two subfamilies. We have got the Ponganae, which is orangutans, and... Hominine, which is just everything else. Okay. So Fun. we're splitting off the orangutans. As we continue to kind of winnow down, we have the tribe level. So I would like to note that this is a taxonomic group between subfamily and genus. This is that's that's the word tribe. Um so gorillas, chimps, and humans are kind of separated into different branches now. So humans are on the hominine tribe or Hominin. Mm. So, now, modern humans, all of our extinct ancestors, were all hominins rather than hominids. Sure. Okay. So, hominid used to mean what hominin does mm. now. Yeah. Um, but that isn't exactly something that all textbooks and even some, like, scientific sources have caught up with. So it can be confusing. In a textbook, you might see hominid. Anyways, they sometimes will mean the same thing is what I'm saying. Sure. But currently, hominin is the accepted verbiage. Okay. Yep. Got it. Okay. So, ancient humans 101. Let's go there. Okay. How do you know if it's an ancient human or an ancient ape? Good question. Um... Well, obviously we don't, and we're not great at deciding these things, so there's lots of fighting. Um, but only humans and our immediate ancestors have premolar teeth with two cusps. So those are like the raised bumps. Yep. Yeah. Um, a skeleton in which the base of the skull, the backbone, the pelvis, the legs, the feet, and the toes are all constructed for walking on two legs. This makes sense. These are things that... Um, Unify? Anthropologists, paleontologists look for when they're looking at ancient fossils. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we'll date the fossils, obviously. Um, and if two or more species of human ancestor date to the same time, well, then we know that they're in different branches, right? Like sure. one didn't follow the other, for instance, generally. Um, so scientists also are kind of particularly interested in which features are primitive and which features are derived. So primitive and derived like evolved more recently, primitive where it's more the ancestral condition. Of course. So for example, walking on two legs is a primitive feature in humanity. It's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. How long do you think? Oh, um, probably going to sound foolish. Um, 500,000 years? Um, that arose about five to seven million years ago. Oh, sorry, I just put the, the decimal <laughs> in the wrong spot. 
Yeah. I meant 5 million. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's shared by all members of our family tree because it evolved so early. Right. Um, whereas a large brain is considered a derived feature because it only started to develop over the last 2 million years. Okay. Much sooner. Yeah. Just yesterday, practically. In, yeah. In the history of yes. animals and the planet. <laughs> yes. Um, so... On to the history of... I wrote human hunting, and then I realized that's like, doesn't oh, sound good. Not like the... What, what was the book called? The uh, the Greatest Game or The Most Dangerous Game? That's not what you're referring to. Yeah, I realized it kind of sounded like that, but I really meant hunting for ancient humans. But you know what I mean. That also didn't really... Could have been misconstrued no, as well. No, when you're an anthropologist, you okay. know what's going on. Um, so the discovery of the first archaic human species... Um, was in about mid 19th century. So it was Homo neanderthalensis. Okay. Um, it was classified, like named and described in 1864, but it was discovered a little bit before that. Sure. Um, so late 19th to early 20th century anthropology was really focused after that on finding this missing link between yeah. chimpanzees and humans. As you know, yeah. I mean, like there's like that one thing we're missing. What came before the Neanderthal and between the chimp and the Neanderthal? Like, what's the missing link? So. That terminology is used all the time. Right. And it's so misconceived. Yes. <laughs> but um, that takes us to England. Oh, okay. Let's go there. We have a story. Excellent. So in a gravel pit at Piltdown Common in southern England in 1912, an amateur collector named Charles Dawson discovered... The missing link. Oh, good for him. Yeah. So he found nine pieces of a large-brained skull, human skull, um, with an ape-like lower jaw with two teeth. And the British uh, scientists were so ready to accept that because for some reason we believe that the large brain was one of the first features to evolve. So the missing link must have a big brain, but like an ape jaw. It's actually like okay. the opposite. Yeah, I could see that. It'll have more of a human jaw before it gets the human brain, but you know. Um, As in our diet changed before the size of our brain changed. Diets and yeah, yeah, whatever other factors might affect the jaw, but you're right. Yes, that's a big one. So um, no one really challenged that for like 41 years, even though they were finding other fossils that didn't fit in with this. And um, no one... No, yeah, no one really looked at it too closely until 1953. Okay. And they used more advanced analytics and dating and all these things to prove this so-called Piltdown Man. So you might have heard of that, the Piltdown Man, um, was a fake. So the mandible had been stained with potassium bichromate um, to, you know, make it appear older. Uh, The teeth had been filed down. Mm, Okay. Uh, Fluorine testing proved that pieces of the skull were actually different ages right yeah okay that's pretty definitive then so in 1959 they were able to use carbon dating to prove the skull was about 600 years old okay which i still i I think would be cool to find a 600 year old skull but that's really not important or um yeah to the uh, relevant to uh ancient humans so they never identified who did it but I don't know. Most of the theories point to it was probably Charles Dawson, but he was dead 
four years after he, quote, discovered it, or three years, whatever. He died in 1916. Um, so the real question basically is, like, did someone help him? Did a scientist help him fake this or something? Like, okay. I guess we'll never know. I guess not. Um, but... There is no missing link. If that if that wasn't clear enough, there is no one thing. There's lots of things. It's like a chain of things, not a single link. A chain of things, and the chain has branches that yeah. lead down dead ends, and who knows? Yeah. So here's the general timeline. Um, the genus Homo, we're still thinking, originated two million years ago. Um, ish. Sure. But there are lots of other human ancestors that came along before that. Um, so I'm going to talk about all of that. Okay. All the way up until Homo sapiens. That sounds like a lot of distance to cover. It is. I'm sorry. It's going to be long. That's okay. Let's let's uh, let's go. So here's what happened. Hominidae, remember that? That's a, I do. One of the great apes. Yeah. Are going to separate from the lesser apes, from the Hylobatidae. Um, kind of like 16 to 20 million years ago. Oh, that's, that's a little ways back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Hominine is going to split from those orangutans, um, 14 to 18 million years ago. Um, something that I'm going to say terribly, ready? Pyrolapithecus catalonicus is thought to be the common ancestor of humans and other great apes. Um, or at least closer than we've ever found before. And it had kind of a special adaptation for tree climbing, um, which is a wide, flat ribcage, a stiff lower spine, flexible wrists, and shoulder blades that lie along its back. Those are the adaptations that okay. we're seeing. Then Hominine splits into the tribes um, that will split up chimps and humans from gorillas between 12 and 8 million years ago. And then... The last common ancestor of humans and chimpanzees lived somewhere between 5 and 10 million years ago. Got it. Um, they think that speciation started to happen around 10 million years ago, but that there was like interbreeding and mixing between the lineages maybe all the way until after 5 million years ago. So there are millions time. and millions of years where that like complete speciation didn't quite happen. Right. Yeah. Well, the speciation is defined as no longer being able to... Interbreed, is that correct? Interbreed and produce viable fertile offspring. Right. But also biologists don't quite agree on the definition of species and it's a it's a thing. Of it's course. It's a whole thing. Um, so uh, hominine species that lived during this time. So we don't know which one might have been, you know, that last common ancestor. But um, I'm going to say some names. Oranopithecus, Grecopithecus. Sahelanthropus chadensis or ororin ororin tugenensis. Oh my god. So you said lots of words, but I don't I actually know the words. number of those there are. How many of those words went together <laughs> and how many of those words identified separate? Those were four separate possibilities. And I'm gonna talk about two of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's talk start with Sahelanthropus chadensis. I can't say things properly, even, Better even than I though can, I took yes. Latin. I yeah. did take Latin, and it's not pronounced the way Latin should be, so it's all weird. It's fine. But um, the remains we found of uh, this thing are about six, seven million years old, we think. Um, so between 
2001, 2002, there are about six fossils discovered. So they officially announced this species in 2002. Okay. Um, so the, I looked up what all the genus and species names meant just because I found it interesting. <laughs> so it's called Sahel because of the area of Africa near the southern Sahara where they found the fossils. And the Anthropus is the Greek word for man. Um, and then the species name is based on Chad because they were found in that country. So the Sahel man from Chad is sure. what this one means. Yes. Okay. Um, the discoverers of this claim that it has lots of derived hominin features and it's the oldest known human ancestor after the split from chimpanzees. Um, and other scientists dispute this and say maybe it's a gorilla ancestor or chimpanzee ancestor or... Um, because if it was from a direct human ancestor, that really messes up our thoughts about the Australopithecines being the direct human ancestors. Okay. Um, because this guy has, well, at least the discoverer's claim, has more derived and advanced features than the Australopithecines. Got it. Yeah. But wonder, maybe that's where you're going to next. I'll let you continue. (laughs) So in 2005, they did a CT study. Um, of the skull, and they compared it with the skull of fossil hominins that were like, sure, hominins and uh, other things, and chimpanzees and gorillas. And oh, they used 30 different features, and the cranium fell within the hominin range for every one of those 30 features. Okay. So, again, who knows, but interesting possibility. Did I answer your question, or do you have a question? No, I was just wondering when Australopithecus was uh, alive. Australopithecines come after this. They come after this. We're not going to skip them. Okay. They're a big deal. They are. I I just didn't know when they were alive. For now, we're going to talk about the other one I had a hard time saying. Okay. Aurorin tugenensis. So, in Kenya in 2000, they found, like, a handful of fossil fragments, and they think they're from five different individuals. Um, And they date them to 6.1 to 5.8 million years ago. Okay, so similar range. Yes. So the genus name Aurorin means original man in the Tugan language. And Tugenensis is also from the <laughs> Tugan language because the fossils were found in the Tugan hills of Kenya. Sure. So, okay. yeah. Um, so as usually happens, I've noticed with these things, the people that discovered them are the ones being like, this is definitely a human. This is related to us. And other people are like, I don't know. And the discoverers have to really defend their... Yeah, sure. Anyway, so, you know, they think that um, Australopithecus should move to the side branch of the human tree. They should just be very distant cousins. And Aurorin tugenensis is the earliest direct ancestor of humans. Um, But because we found, like, a handful of fragments, there's really not a lot to back this up. Sure. So maybe... We're in the maybe. Yeah. Um, now we move on to something called Artipithecus. Very close. <laughs> so we think probably it's a really early hominin genus. Um, they had small brains about the same size as like a modern bonobo chimpanzee brain, which if you're wondering is just over about 20% the size of a human brain. Oh, smaller than like I thought. One fifth. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's much smaller than I thought. Correct. Um, Artipithecus was arboreal, but probably bipedal. Okay. Me- arboreal meaning lives most of their life in a tree. 
Yeah. Or in the canopy? No, in the canopy. Just, yeah. Climbing up and down trees is the majority of their life. Um, They have a bowl-shaped pelvis. um, And the angle of the form and magnum, anyways, wrist bones, all these different things point to the fact that they um, uh, did walk on two feet, even though their feet were probably still adapted for grasping onto trees. Okay. Yeah. Um, So there's two species, or at least main species. Let me just say right now, as long as this is, I don't have time to say everything. Of course. So if I don't say one, it's not because I'm like, ah, I forgot or didn't find. I just don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just don't have time to shout out all of your favorite yeah. hominins. I think I'll probably get most people's favorites, but. There's some people out there. See. I did cut a few. I did okay. cut a few off the list. So we have Art- Artipithecus ramidus, which they discovered in 1992 um, and described in 1994 because hundreds of pieces of fossilized bone were kind of like washed out of this area west of, well, the Awash River Hmm. in Aramis, Ethiopia. So they found over 110 specimens, which represents 35, they think, individuals. Okay. Um, So mostly we just got dental remains, but there was a few skull and like limb pieces. So um, they did find one in 1994 that was, they think, 125 pieces from the same skeleton. Impressive. Yeah, so that's very helpful, right? Um, so they think it's a female. They nicknamed her Artie. She was about 50 kilograms at 120 centimeters tall. So, you know, hefty. Yeah. Hefty. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the remains date to like 4.4 to 4.2 million years ago, which would be the oldest known skeleton of a human ancestor. Yeah. That we're sure about, except for that we're not... 100% sure, because, but, you know. But it's closer. Old stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Ardi means ground or floor in the local Afar language. And Pithecus is the Latinized Greek. Latinized Greek for ape. Um, Ramid means root in the Afar language. So, really, we're, we're doing a uh, ground ape. Sure. Root, 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 rooted ground ape. As in they spend more of their time on the ground, rooted to the ground? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I just looked up what the words meant. Um, then we have Artipithecus cadaba, which they discovered in Ethiopia between 1997 and 2000. And they found 11 specimens that represent about five individuals. Um, and they date those to 5.6 to 5.8 million years. Um, the name cadaba means oldest ancestor in the Afar language. Okay. There's a lot there of claiming go. of origins and oldest and... That's yeah. just going to continue. Oh, I'm sure. In the naming. <laughs> so next, now we come to the Australopithecines. Perfect. We're very excited yes. about this, obviously. So Very. Um, hold, on to your, hold on to your hats, because this is the best one. I can go get a hat if need be. Australopithecus afarensis. You probably know about this one. Everyone listening yeah. you might think you don't know. But I think you do. Yeah. So um, I, I even wrote right here. It's one of the best known of our ancestors due to major discoveries. Um, anyways, it's considered to be the direct ancestor of all the later species of Australopithecus and all the species in the Paranthropus genus. Um, and usually considered to be a direct ancestor of humans. Right. So this one is pretty important. Um, so these guys... You're seeing a reduction in their canine and molar teeth, 
even though the teeth are still bigger than modern humans would be. Um, but relatively small brain size um, and what's called a prognathic face kind of like sticks out like a projecting snout. Okay. Instead of our flat face. Um, so here's how everything started. There was this knee discovered in 1973 in Hadar, Ethiopia. It was 3.0 million years old. And it's the first fossil that provided evidence that our ancestors had been walking on two legs for more than 3 million years. Okay. Um, so there's a anthropologist, Donald Johnson. And uh, when they discovered this, he and his team returned to the Hadar area. And they found hundreds of other fossils of whatever this species was. Yeah. But at the same time, there was another team led by Mary Leakey. And if you haven't heard of her, she's a big deal. To be fair, all the Leakeys are a big deal. I'll kind of mention that later. The Leakeys are a big thing in anthropology. Um, she discovered similar fossils over 1,500 kilometers away in the Laetoli region of Tanzania. So these fossils didn't match anything we see at the time. And they named Australopithecus afarensis in 1978. Um, just a little, just a little pause in the in the story. Um, Australopithecus means southern ape. Okay. Because this one was not the first one named. No. Of the Australopithecines, it was one in South Africa. So southern. Ape. Oh, okay. Anyways, okay. We'll talk about sense. that in a second. Um, afarensis is. The Afar Depression in Ethiopia, where a lot of the fossils were discovered. But the thing you probably know about, if you're sitting here being like, you said I would know, you do. Because in 1974, there was a partial skeleton discovered by Donald Johnson in Hadar. Um, it was relatively complete. It was a female skeleton. They dated it to 3.2 million years old. And they named her... Can I guess? Lucy? Yeah. Yeah. Can you guess why her name was Lucy? Actually, no, I don't know. It's 1974. I love Lucy. What's going on in 1974? What's popular? What's popular in England in 1974? Like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? Correct. Really? Needles yes. reference. She is named after that. Um, so Lucy was only about 110 centimeters tall, but they think she was a fully grown adult when she died. She was definitely bipedal but probably spent a lot of time uh, climbing trees. Yeah. And then there was something that Mary Leakey's team discovered called the Laetoli footprints. It's amazing. So um, they date to 3.6 million years ago and fossil bones from Australopithecus afarensis were discovered nearby. So everyone's just kind of presumed that they were the ones that left these footprints. So... Um, it looks incredibly human-like, if you want to look up the image on, on Google. Um, definitely made by hominins that walked through a layer of ash burst that had settled on the ground after a volcano eruption. Probably like, the volcano was far away, but, you know. The ash was there. Right. Raindrops made the ash damp, which is why the impressions were so good. But also, you can actually still see the indentations from the raindrops fossil. Like, like that's how well-preserved everything is. You can see little raindrops. You can see the footprints. It's crazy. Um, it's amazing. So the footprints are super important because they are direct evidence. Like a, a knee bone that works the way we think it works. 
is, Pretty good is one thing. Yeah. But this is direct evidence that our ancestors were walking upright 3.6 million years ago. And the footprints are so similar to our footprints. Uh, the heel was the first part of the foot to strike the ground. That's something we can tell. The big toe was aligned with the other toes and left a deep impression that showed each step ended with the toe pushing in downwards. Yep. Um, we could see the feet had central arches. Yeah. There's like, it's amazing. Um, in 2010, they found fossil bones that had cut marks in Dikika in Ethiopia. And they dated them to about 3.4 million years old. Um, and those bones show clear evidence that stone tools were used to remove flesh and smash the bone, probably to get the marrow. Yep. Uh, the tools weren't found. So were they tools that hominins made or were they just convenient. a convenient shaped rock? Yeah. We don't know. Um, but they do believe that Australopithecus afarensis was the one responsible for making the cut marks just because um, of the dating and things found in that region, but not, not that close by. So right. it could have been another hominin, but likely these but guys. We're making some... Intuitive leaps here. Which you kind of have to do. Yeah. They feel within the realm of reason. Yeah. All right. But there are other Australopithecines. That's not the only kind. So the oldest known Australopithecus species is Australopithecus anamensis, which lived between 4.2 and 3.8 million years ago. Um, They discovered these guys in 1965 in the Kenyan Rift Valley. um, And they considered them part of Australopithecus afarensis until 1995. Oh, and okay. then they decided they were not. <laughs> sure. They are given a name from the Turkana language. So Anam means lake because they are discovered by Lake Turkana. Yeah, reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Anamensis and Afarensis probably lived side by side. Um, and we don't know which lineage exactly, like, which one directly led to us? Or did they both? Did one lead to another? We, we, we're not... I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Australopithecus bar el Ghazali is a controversial one. Not everyone... Well, not even most people think it's actually a species. Hmm. Maybe about half. I don't know. So... They found jaw and teeth remains in 1995 in Bar El Ghazal in Chad. So I don't really think I have to explain that name. Yeah. Um, they use beryllium-based radiometric dating, which I actually haven't heard before. Uh, they're about 3.6 million years old, and they were, but they're the first Australopithecus to be discovered outside southern or eastern Africa. So that does expand the range of Australopithecus. Um, they need to find more fossils because right now. They kind of, a lot of people believe it's an afarensis. Sure. Just in, in a different geographical location that expanded. Right. The we don't range. have enough fossils to conclusively um, prove that it has enough different characteristics. Okay. Yeah. Then there was Australopithecus gari, which lived about 2.5 million years ago. Um, they discovered a partial cranium in 1997 in Ethiopia and then a second one a little bit later. Um, so I do want to point out how recent so many of these discoveries are. Like, I w- <laughs> sadly was one course away from doing an anthropology minor at school. I really should have just done it. But 
even the things I learned 10 years ago, um, <laughs> is a lot of it's different, Yeah, which is why I wanted to do this episode. Very interesting. But like, say if you went to school in the 90s, you're like so wrong. wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> you're real wrong. Um, to be fair, everyone's wrong. This yeah. is a very guessing type of thing, but, um, the fossils of our Australopithecus gari are really significant because between two and three million years ago, there's a real big gap, real bad fossil record. We don't know what was going on. Um, so we think this guy was there at least. So that's a place to start. Um, the name Garhi, the species name, means surprise in the Afer language. Um, which seems to, you know, these languages, indigenous languages to Africa, I'm glad that they're represented so well. But a lot there, of these yeah. species are, are named after them. So that's cool. Um, so anyways, the scientists who discovered the skull were surprised by some of the features, in particular the enormous back teeth in the skull. So that's why they named it that. Okay. Um, enormous back teeth, suggesting that they're chewing grains in their uh, diet? Oh, I wouldn't say grains. More. Just foliage? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Who knows? Uncertain. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Don't ask me. Um, anyways, the skeletal remains were found with antelope bones that had cut marks from stone tools. They didn't find stone tools at the site, but they did find um, them at a nearby site. And these are the earliest dated stone tools that have been found. But they might have been left by another hominin species. So sure. we just don't know. Um Australopithecus africanus was actually the first Australopithecine to be found. Okay. A long time ago. Yeah. In 1924, a fossil was, they call it, rescued from a limestone quarry at Tong in South Africa. And this is the Tong child skull, if anyone's ever heard of that. Yes. Um, it had a mixture of human and ape-like features, and that's that's the initial South African discovery where we get that species name of Southern, or the genus name, sorry, of Southern ape. Yeah. From, and, you know, Africanus, again. That yeah. one's pretty obvious, I think. Um, so these guys lived between 3.2 and 2 million years ago. Um, they used to think they were a direct ancestor of modern humans, but now most scientists think that it's like a side branch. Again, there's a lot of disagreement. Um, there's also evidence in these remains that the lower vertebrae had changed in females to support bipedalism even when they were pregnant. So that might be kind of around when that change was occurring. Um, so one of the most recent hominin species to be announced, but not the most recent, one of the most recent is Australopithecus sediba. Um, the first specimen was actually a right clavicle discovered by the nine-year-old son of a paleontologist. Oh. In Malapa, South Africa in 2008. Cool. They announced the fossil or the uh, species in 2010, and they dated it till 1.95 to 1.78 million years ago. So the word sediba means fountain or wellspring in the Sesotho language. Okay. Which is mostly spoken in Lesotho. I guess that would make sense. There are multiple types of Sotho language. This is Sesotho. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't know that. I don't know if they're all spoken in and around Lesotho, but sure. Yeah. Um. So. Due to the age and the features and all these things, the discoverers think that was it was descended from um, Australopithecus africanus, but it also shares some derived features with early Homo species more than any other Australopithecine, 
So they, that suggests it's possibly ancestral to the Homo genus or, you know, just a sister group. Sure. Okay. I know. It's a lot of people like, maybe this thing happened. But maybe not. Maybe not. So, you know, take everything I say with a big grain of salt. Okay. Where does that one. expression come from? Not sure. Okay. Another thing I'm going to look at. Okay. Um, so there's other paleontologists that think a sediba was actually a chrono species of a africatus. So that means that the slight anatomical differences are due to just a change over time within the same species. Chrono meaning chronological or time-based. Okay. Yes. Um, which would extend the time range at least for Australopithecus africanus by half a million years, but that would put a sediba on a side branch of human evolution and not one of our direct ancestors, if that was true. Okay. Um, but we also do have some cousins that we're sure are our cousins. Cool. Not our direct... Descendants. De- or other way around. Ancestors. Ancestors. That's the one. Predecessor. Um, yeah. We're sure these ones are off the side. Okay. It's the Paranthropus genus. Kind of mentioned that in the Australopithecine thing. Um, so it currently includes three species. Paranthropus bozii, Paranthropus robustus, and Paranthropus ethiopicus. Um, they're called the robusts mm-hmm. because of their extremely large jaws and their big molar teeth. Um, so Ethiopicus lived 2.3 to 2.7 million years ago. Um, the other two between 1 and 2.3 million years ago. Um, this guy was discovered a long time ago as well, 1938. A schoolboy found some fossil fragments on a hillside at Chrome Dry in South Africa. And that was Paranthropus robustus. Um, the first Paranthropus discovered in East Africa, 1959, by Mary Leakey. Mm, there you go. Yeah, she's she's all over this. Um, so Paranthropus is like the Greek words para, which is like, you know, beside or near, yeah. and Anthropus meaning man. Yeah. Um, the Ethiopicus, named for Ethiopia. Boisei was named for Charles Boise, who actually funded Louis Leakey's fossil hunting expeditions. Cool. Louis Leakey being Mary's husband. Mm, not Superman. Louis Leakey. No, oh, that would be Lois Lane. The, never mind, love interest. It's okay, keep going. <laughs> um, and, you know, robustus meaning strongly built. That's the, yeah. that's where all that stuff comes from. Um, but moving into more modern humans, um, again, everything is up for debate. We, we're very sure until recently that Homo habilis was like the first human species, the first yeah. Homo. Yeah. And Homo erectus was, you know, the one that's directly ancestral to Homo sapiens. Right. We we're pretty sure about that. That's what I had learned, yeah. <laughs> okay, keep. Um, interesting, I might be completely wrong as well. Times have changed. Yeah. But they've changed into more of like a. It might, I don't think it's that, but I don't know. Okay. Anyways, we'll get there. So, let's talk about Homo habilis. Um, Homo habilis was the earliest of our ancestors to have a significant increase in brain size, and the first to be found, like, associated with stone tools. Like, in the same place, we know it's them, you made a tool. Yeah. Um, they lived between 2.3 and 1.5 million years ago. So the discovery of Homo habilis began in 1959 when two teeth were found at the Olduvai Gorge in Tanzania by a team led by Lewis and Mary Leakey. So just to be clear, I find it frustrating 
when you're reading anthropology papers, as we all do, in a journal, and they cite leaky from whatever year, and I'm like, which one? Okay? Mm. This is frustrating to me. Sure. Um, Lewis and Mary were... Lewis and Mary were married, and their son Richard married... Is it Mauve? When it's like M-A-E-V-E? Anyways. Um, and Richard and Mauve had a daughter, Louise. Okay? All of these leakies are anthropologists, paleontologists, concerned with human finding. Fun. Okay. Okay. So, just so you know, all these people are important and confusing. Um, so the brain size, features of their hands and their feet, the stone tools, that all suggested that this was a new type of human ancestor, and they officially announced the species in 1964. Um, so habilis is based on a Latin word that means handy or skillful. Um, they were called the handyman just because of the stone tools. Yeah. Um, so we're assuming that this species developed the ability to modify their stone into tools. Yep. That's kind of the biggest difference between the other ones kind like that we had mentioned before. Um, the foot arch and general state are similar to our own. And that gives us evidence that the, the way they walked was pretty much identical to the way we walk. Um, though they had a larger brain, a lot of their other features like limb proportions are more similar to those of the earlier Australopithecine ancestors. Um, so that is interesting. Because that is a little bit more like what the like the Brits thought would happen. Oh, big brain, ape, other things. Right. Um, but that's is why we've reassessed Homo habilis and the relationship to Homo sapiens. So many scientists don't think anymore that this species is one of our direct ancestors, and they've moved it onto kind of a side branch of the family tree. Um, some scientists think it should be renamed Australopithecus habilis because they have more physical similarities to the Australopithecines than the homos. Okay. Um, recently, I'm going to say recently, even though it was 11 years ago now, um, in 2013, Demanisi in the Republic of Georgia, they discovered some skulls. Um, two of the skulls are very similar to something we'll talk about in a second, Homer ergaster, but one kind of has features that seem intermediate between Homo habilis and Homo ergaster. Um, and if so, Homo habilis may be a direct ancestor of modern humans. <laughs> or they both evolved from an undiscovered species. Sure. So okay. scientists were like, it's this guy. No, it's not this guy. Oh, wait, maybe it's this guy. Again, I don't know. I don't know what the first Homo species is, but... Um, I, the hard part is that this between two and three million years ago time, again, that's the biggest fossil gap. And we're like, uh, that's when he arose, probably Homo habilis, or maybe we're just missing a whole bunch of stuff for some reason. Um, we'll talk about Homo ergaster, though, because I just mentioned them. Sure. Um, it was the first of our ancestors to look more like a modern human. They were taller, more slender, probably relatively hairless. Um, they lived between 1.5 and 1.9 million years ago. Um, even though, again, sometimes people are like, I actually think that this fossil is a Homo ergaster instead. So that would make the range 700,000 to 2 million years ago. I don't know. But fossils of this species, as we just mentioned, have also been found in Eurasia, the Republic of Georgia. Yeah. As well as Africa. 
So yeah. that's it. So some significant territorial expansion there. Probably. Um, so the word ergaster is based on the Greek word meaning work. So their name means workman because large stone tools were found near some of the fossils. I'm like, we just keep naming them these everything after the same thing. Yeah. Handyman, workman. Same feature, yeah. Tools, tools, whatever. Um, so Homo ergaster was first proposed as a new species in 1975 after scientists were re-examining a fossil jaw that they had previously identified as Homo habilis. They found some unique features that made it different, and they reclassified it. Um, and then a bunch of fossils were reclassified into Homo ergaster, like ones that were Homo erectus or whatever. So there's a lot of disagreement here. Yeah. Again. Um, more recently, there's a skull dating to 1.5 million years old discovered in Kenya. So it was discovered in 2000, described in 2007. Um, and it kind of blurs the distinction between Homo erectus, which is in Asia, mm-hmm. and Homo ergaster in Africa. So it has features that have previously only been found on the Asian Homo erectus um, specimens, but it's, you know, in Africa. So some people are rethinking whether Homo erectus and Homo ergaster should really be separate species. So some use the nomenclature African Homo erectus or Asian Homo ergaster and like, uh, yeah. Okay. But suggesting that it might be the same. Yes. Interesting. So these guys definitely made large stone tools like hand axes, cleavers, and picks um, that they mostly used on meat and bone, animal hides, and wood. Um, Definitely paleontologists have noted that it's like improved technology from what Homo habilis was using for probably a million years. Yeah. And um, in August 2011, there were reports of discoveries in Wunderwerk Cave. I'm, I'm just assuming W's are said like V's because it's South Africa and the Dutch and all those sure. things. Anyways, in South Africa. Um, and that suggests that controlled use of fire by these guys, by Ergaster, was probably occurring by 1.7 million years ago. Okay. So, because there's a lot of times that people have discovered fire and been like, yeah, but was this a fire someone set on purpose or was this like a fire set by lightning? Mm-hmm. But in, in this um, cave, there was stratified deposits, so layers, right, which contained burnt stones, charred, like, calcined bones, traces of ash um, that indicate repeated burning events. And so, in a cave, right? So, probably yeah. not just, like... Hit by lightning. Many times. Pretty good arc through the lightning, <laughs> or through the cave mouth. Yeah, and, and it yeah. happened over and over. Probably yeah. not, right? So... They concluded that the fire makers, who they said it's most likely Homo ergaster, again, we don't know, um, probably gathered around the fire regularly. So they're assuming cooking food, socialization, that type of thing. Of course. Yeah. Um, Then we move on to Homo rudolfensis, which is also controversial. (laughs) So it was discovered in 1972, was declared a new species in 1986. Um, and a lot of scientists think it should be like a very, it's a variation of Homo habilis, or we should kind of make it an Australopithecus, or maybe it's a cousin of Ken, uh, Kenyananthropus, Kenyan, Kenyanthropus, okay. which I cut out talking about the Kenyanthropuses, or the one that's, you know, related maybe to us. Okay. Um, that was very, very old. 
Um, so if it is a species, it's 2.4 to 1.8 million years old. And um, it's named that because it was discovered at Lake Turkana, which is in East Rudolph, Kenya. And clearly a lot of things were discovered at this Turkana. We've talked about it before. We have, So yeah. they had to find a different name. So this is named after the East Rudolph part. Um, so in 2007, a team at NYU reconstructed that original find. Um, and their new construction had more ape-like features, like a projecting jaw and a smaller brain size. So they think that the original people constructed it wrong, and it's more like a Homo habilis. Oh. Okay. So this might not even be a species at all. It might be a Homo habilis, you know. So let's just move on to things we're slightly more sure about. Okay. Moving out of Africa. Okay. Talk about Homo erectus. Makes sense. So, after years of searching Indonesia for the missing link that we're all so concerned with, um, a Dutchman named Eugene Dubois, which sounds more French to me, but that's fine, finally uncovered part of a skull in 1891, and this is known as the Java Man, if you've heard of that one. Yes, yep. So, he believed it must have been an ancient and upright human, which... Yes, they all are an upright human, which is what this name, which is so funny about this name. Um, but in 1891, we didn't know that yet, did we? No. Um, so that's why he named it Erectus. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so other scientists, of course, was like, you know, dismissed this. It's 1891, right? Like, you're wrong. But he was actually right because they uncovered a, like a bunch of similar fossils in China during the 1920s and 1930s. Um, so Homo erectus probably lived between 100,000 years ago and 1.6 million years ago. Um, and the fossils are mostly, uh, or almost all found in China and Indonesia. So Sangarin, which is on the island of Java, is the most important Homo erectus site in Indonesia. So they found the remains of over 80 individuals. Um, they think the region was first occupied about 1.6 million years ago. Okay. And then there's a site in China that's also really important. Zhaokudian. It's 40 kilometers south of Beijing in China. Um, and it is the largest number of Homo erectus fossils recovered at any one site. So about 50 different individuals from this site. Um, they also found like 100,000 stone tool artifacts in that cave, like mostly quartz and sandstone, chopping tools, flakes, that kind of thing. Um but, as previously mentioned, there's a bunch of debate about whether the Asian fossils and the African fossils should really be separated or together, like Homo ergaster and Homo erectus. Are they the same? Are they one of... How do we separate them? Right. Yeah. So, a growing number of scientists have kind of redefined Homo erectus, so it's just the East Asian fossils only, and they've kind of moved Homo erectus into a side branch of the family tree and said that the things in Africa are the Homo ergaster, and Homo ergaster is one of our direct ancestors. Interesting. Okay. Not Homo erectus. That's very contrary to what I had learned. Well, again, I'm not saying you're wrong, and neither are they. They're just guessing? Yeah. Very educatedly. Sure. But guessing. Um, because yeah, there are still scientists that do support, um, the view that Homo erectus, uh, just includes a lot of individuals, like they just wandered and had a huge territory and they are related to Homo sapiens, but 
Now we move on to something also controversial. Homo heidelbergensis. Okay. So in 1907, they found an ancient human jaw in a quarry at Mauer, which is a village near Heidelberg, Germany. Again, I don't think I have to explain this name. Sure. Uh, they had small human-like teeth in their jaw, but it was unlike modern human jaws because it was large and like heavily boned. Um, so 1908, they named it a new species and it wasn't very accepted until basically the end of the 20th century when they finally started to discover more fossils that had intermediate features. Okay. Um, so they think the species lived between 300,000 and 600,000 years ago that they evolved in Africa, but by 500,000 years ago, some populations were in Europe. Um, they lived and worked in cooperative groups, they hunted large animals, and they made a variety of tools, including wooden spears with stone spearheads. Okay. So Homo heidelbergensis began to develop regional differences that eventually give rise to two species of humans. Um, so they think European populations of Homo heidelbergensis evolved into Homo neanderthalensis and a separate population of Homo heidelbergensis that had stayed in Africa led to the Homo sapien line. But again, is that Ergaster to Heidelbergensis to us? Is it not? Or one of those not included? Or which one? Right. Like, ugh. Homo antecessor is next. Sounds like ancestor. Kind of. So this is also highly debated because a lot of scientists consider this to be just a Homo heidelbergensis with slightly different features. Fun. Um, so if they are their own species, they lived between 800,000 and 1.2 million years ago, um, just in Europe, Western and Central Europe. So that would make them the oldest Homo species in Europe. Okay. If they're their own species. Sure. And, you know, because of that... That's where they get their name from, because antecessor is a Latin word that means explorer or pioneer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So thinking they, that they were the first in Europe, basically. Made some distance, basically. Yeah, so yeah. they found over 80 fossils, uh, which represented about six people, at Grandolina in Atapuerca, Spain, in the mid-90s. Um, they date them to at least 780,000 years old. Um, so... These, again, the discoverers always think that they're, they're sure this is a new species. Yeah, always. Well, they, that's what they want to have happen. Yeah. So what they think, the discoverers of this, propose. Homo ergaster gives rise to Homo antecessor in Africa. About a million years ago, Homo antecessor spread via the Middle East to Europe. In Europe, Homo antecessor evolves into Homo heidelbergensis, who were the ancestors of the Neanderthals. And in Africa, Homo antecessor evolves into Homo sapiens via an unknown species. So there's a lot of candidates for what evolves into Homo sapiens in yeah. Africa. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. So, good transition to move us back to Africa. Sounds good. Which is where I'm going to go here. Um, this is very recent. And I had not heard of this before. So... In 2015, they found the remains of at least 15 individuals in the Rising Star Cave System in South Africa. And they announced them as a new species. Um, Homo nolidi 
It uh, combines like primitive and modern features in a way that lets us know they're not a direct ancestor of Homo sapien. Okay. Yeah. So the word Naledi means star in the local local Sotho language. So another different Sotho language. Yeah. And um, obviously a reference to the rising star cave system. Makes sense. So the remains date to about 335,000 to 236,000 years ago. Um, that's not when we think they lived. That's when just these remains. Okay. That's not like the range of they were only alive for 100,000 years. Right. Like, that's when these specific remains, because it's the only remains we've ever found of these guys, is this discovery in the cave systems here. Um, so it's likely they think they might have appeared as, as long ago as 2 million years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the really interesting part, according to me, is that the remains are the largest assemblage of a single hominin species discovered in Africa ever. And they've found over 1,700 bones and teeth, all in two caves in this wow. system. Okay. And they, they realize that they've only explored a small part of this cave system so far, so there's probably a ton more. Um, but that's not the really interesting part yet. I'm getting to it. So both of these sites are almost 100 meters from the cave entrance, almost 30 meters underground, accessible only through very extremely narrow passageways. Mm. One cave, in fact, takes about 30 minutes for these cavers to, to reach from the entrance. Wow. And these individuals were clearly not living in these caves. No. There was nothing else found. No signs of occupation. No tools, bones, foods, evidence of fire, anything like that. Nothing. So if they weren't living there, how did all of these remains get there? I assume it's burial ground. Well, that's along those lines. That's what the discoverers propose. Yeah, is that they are burying their dead. But if this is the case, because these remember these aren't direct ancestors. They're two million years old. They're primitive. They have small brains. If this is the case, they were exhibiting repeated, deliberate, probably complicated behavior, cultural behavior even. Yeah. Like a almost ritualistic behavior, which we can't really determine, obviously, with the lack of evidence, but sure. purposeful, right? Um, so quite a few experts disagree with them and suggest that, oh, maybe there was a more accessible entrance in the past or okay. maybe a bunch of remains were washed in there, but there was no other remains of anything found in there. So that's a unlikely, you know what I mean? If there was a huge flood event that washed some bones from yeah. somewhere to somewhere else, you would but, expect other animal bones or other fragments or other debris to be found with them, but there wasn't. Yeah. So maybe more accessible. Maybe. That, that is a possibility. Yeah. But it's very interesting. But you're, talk- you're talking... Deep into a cave system where there's going to be no light, where, like, that's tough to traverse. That's very intriguing. It is. It's super cool. Um, So, I'm briefly, like, again, sorry for the length of this, <laughs> this episode, but briefly going to touch on two species of very small hominins. Okay. Because it's very interesting. <laughs> so... Um, one of the most recently discovered early human species is Homo floresiensis, um, nicknamed Hobbit, because it's small. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they've only found been found so far on the island of Flores, Indonesia, which is where it gets the name from. Uh, they date the fossils to between 100,000 and 60,000 years ago. Um, they've dated tools found with them that they've 
clearly made to between 190,000 and 50,000 years ago. So it was about three foot six. Okay. Tiny brain, large teeth relative to their small size, um, shrugged forward shoulders, no chins, which I don't even know why they include, because did you know that none of these, no one had a chin until Homo sapien came along. Really? No. No chins. Um, receded forehead, relatively large feet due to their short legs. So, um, hobbits. Or, like that weird thing Pliny the Elder described that had one giant foot for mm. sheltering from the sun. Anyways, I don't know why that made me think of that. But it's clear that despite their small size and, you know, small brains, they hunted uh, elephants. Wow. Large rodents, Komodo dragons. Or at least didn't completely die out to Komodo dragons, probably. <laughs> okay. <Fair laughs> they enough. may have used fire. Um, and if you're thinking that you didn't know that there were elephants um, on the tiny islands of Indonesia. Yeah, I wasn't really aware of that, but okay. Uh, they think that the tiny elephants, they were tiny elephants. That would make by sense. By the way, of the Stegodon uh, variety. Um, and the tiny humans resulted from island dwarfism. Yeah. You know, which is, in evolution, things tend to uh, get smaller when they're on an island. With, you know, limited food, lack of predators, those kind of, those kind of things. Um, but some other scientists are wondering if Homo florensiensis might have been small when they first reached Flores. Okay, they hadn't considered that before. Um, another interesting small human found on an island was found in Calo Cave on the island of Luzon in the Philippines. So Homo luzonensis, again, pretty self-explanatory on that name, had a small body, a lot like Homo florensiensis. Um, no idea how these guys are related to Homo sapiens. Definitely not like direct ancestors. So just how distantly related are they? Who knows? Um, its teeth were different than every other human, human species found. Its fingers and toes are much longer than expected for its body size. Um, and they dated it to about 67,000 years ago, which oh. predated the earliest human presence that we knew of in the Philippines by 40,000 years. Yeah. But just now, just now, they did a study that revealed, actually, these fossilized remains of this Caloman uh, are actually about 134,000 years old. Oh, that's significant. Difference. Pretty much double. Yeah. Yeah. So they're real old. And Luzon has been an island for millions of years. So Homo Luzonensis, or whatever ancestor they had, had a substantial sea crossing to get to this island. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, to wrap it all up, we have the two stars of our show, just because it's interesting and we know more about them. <laughs> sure. Uh, Homo neanderthalensis. You know, yeah. The Neanderthals. Yeah. So the first Neanderthal fossil was, like I said earlier, described in 1864, but found in 1829. Um, it really wasn't described or accepted until more were found, which is why it took so long. Um, since then, of course, we've found thousands of yeah. Neanderthal fossils and stuff like that. So the word Neanderthalensis is based on the location where the first major specimen was discovered in 1856, like the, the type specimen is what it's called. Um, the Neander Valley in German, Germany. Sorry. So I'm going to explain something 
because I was wondering why pretentious people, some people say Neanderthal and not Neanderthal. Yeah. So the German word for valley is tall. Okay. But in the 1800s, they spelt it T-H-A-L, thal. I mean, we would say thal. They would still say tall, but they spelt it T-H. Yeah. So homo neanderthalensis, therefore, means human from the Neander Valley. So the people that refer to them as Neanderthals with no H are reflecting the modern German spelling and then saying it in the English I don't know. It's 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 confusing. I'm not sure if there's one way that's right. But I guess what this teaches me is that it's about the German language, which is cool. And I think both ways are just right. Okay. It's fine. Understood. Um, so Neanderthals lived between 28,000 and 300,000 years ago um, and coexisted with Homo sapiens. They're not Correct. in our line. They're not a direct ancestor. Um, evidence from the fossil record, genetic data, which luckily we have shows us that there are distinct species that developed, again, as a side branch. Um, some Homo heidelbergensis fossils found in Europe showed early Neanderthal-like features about 300,000 years ago. So it's likely that's why we think Neanderthals developed from Homo heidelbergensis. Um, so they were recognizably human, but they do have these distinctive facial features, a stocky build. These were evolutionary adaptations to where they lived, cold, dry, places yeah um they were generally shorter had more robust skeletons more muscular bodies than homo sapien uh evidence shows us that they had a complex culture despite the stereotypes of cavemen yeah um but they didn't behave the same ways and they weren't as quote sophisticated as the homo sapien of the time so they've kind of earned a, a bad a bad rap yeah. right um so scholars have used the excuse that we don't find art made by them to mean like they must be primitive or dumb or whatever. Right. Um, other scientists think there might be other reasons why we don't find art by them. Sure. So just to point out in 2010, researchers did discover artifacts at two sites in Spain that provide us indirect evidence that they made symbolic art. Um, they found naturally perforated scallop shells that were painted with orange pigments and they found a cockle shell that they think was used as a paint container because it has residues of red and black pigments in it. Okay. Um, and this find dates to between 45,000 and 50,000 years ago. So that is before Homo sapien arrives in Europe. So it couldn't have just been copied or borrowed or taken from, from them. Got it. As in a lot of other things that were found, people said, well, they just took that from Homo sapiens. Sure. So did the Neanderthals also live alongside another human species in Europe, though. Besides right, Homo sapiens. Oh, as in there was a third party. I don't know. Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, there's an interesting case in 2010 when they discovered a finger bone and a tooth from the Denisova cave in Russia. Um, I mean, to be fair, they found the bones in 2008, but announced it in 2010. Okay. Um, they dated them to between 30,000 and 50,000 years old, and they extracted the mitochondrial DNA, which just generally lasts longer than nuclear DNA. Um, the mitochondrial DNA didn't match Homo sapien, and it didn't match Neanderthal mitochondrial DNA. So, I mean, these are the only two that we have. <laughs> right. So, 
we've decided for now to think of them as a new species, but we understand that they, like, there's no DNA record to compare a Homo heidelbergensis DNA to these guys, right? So, so just that alone isn't enough, like, for sure. But we're thinking of it that way right now. Um, the age range of about, this, for the species, 500,000 to 30,000 years is, um, Inferences, genetic studies, sediment analysis, all these, you know, all these sciencey things. Um, and then in 2020, they found a Denisovan fossil from somewhere else besides this cave. That was the first time and only time they've discovered one from somewhere else. Um, they found it in, well, actually, it was found a long time ago. It was found in 1980 by a Buddhist monk. Oh, but not analyzed until... Right, right, right. Recently? So okay. a Buddhist monk was exploring the Baishaya Karst Cave in Gansu, China. And it was just put in storage this whole time. They analyzed it in 2019, uh, used some protein analysis, and they dated it to 160,000 years old. And the coolest part is that this cave is 3,280 meters above sea level on the Tibetan Plateau. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Evidence suggests that Neanderthals, the Denisovans, which is what we're just calling these guys now, and modern humans are all descended from or share a common ancestor with Homo heidelbergensis. So DNA evidence suggests that whatever this common ancestor was, they lived about 600,000 to 750,000 years ago. So it seems likely that around that time, an ancestral group of the Homo heidelbergensis left Africa and then shortly after that started splitting. One branch goes kind of northwest into West Asia and Europe and becomes Neanderthals. Yeah. The other branch moves east and becomes Denisovans. And those that stay in Africa evolve into modern humans. Okay. Um, genetic analysis reveals the Denisovans are more closely related to Neanderthals than they are to modern humans. Okay. So that That's the suggests, idea where it's, they yeah, moved Neanderthals split. and Denisovans share a common ancestor after modern humans and Neanderthals split. Yeah. Like, okay. So they think Neanderthals and Denisovans split 400,000 to 500,000 years ago. They've done research on the Denisovan DNA in modern people of Papua New Guinea. Indigenous Papua New Guineans. Interesting. Okay. And that suggests to scientists that Neanderthals and Denisovans had a big interbreeding event like 46,000 years ago. Okay. It also suggests another interbreeding event happened 30,000 years ago and possibly even 15,000 years ago. That one's more disputed, but that would really put Denisovans as um, very recent. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the most recent besides Homo sapiens, if that was true. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So one of the coolest discoveries related to this interbreeding, though, between human species is a first-generation Neanderthal-Denisovan hybrid they found in Denisova Cave in 2020 or 2012. Um, they finally analyzed it in 2016, and it was a girl. They nicknamed Denny. She was at least 13,000 years old, or th 13 years old, sorry, when she died. Mm. That would be something. That would be more reasonable. That would yeah. be something. She lived 90,000 years ago. So Denny had a Denisovan father and a Neanderthal mother. Um... Genetic studies indicate present-day Tibetans, Melanesians, so those are the indigenous people from Papua New Guinea, yeah. um, and Australian Aboriginal people, 
have about three to five percent of their DNA, like the Denisovan DNA. Okay. Yeah. So they must have been present. The Denisovans must have been present in an area where they could interact with the Homo sapien ancestors of these people. Yeah. Right? So there was clearly interbreeding between Denisovans and Homo sapiens. Right. Um, and studies also show that the Denisovan DNA can be an advantage. So in 2014, researchers discovered ethnic Sherpas probably inherited this, quote, super athlete gene variant from the Denisovans that helps them breathe more easily at high altitudes. Cool. Because clearly they lived on the Tibetan Plateau. Yeah, makes sense. As you probably know, Denisovans aren't the only ones who interbred with modern humans. No, correct. Um, analysis of the Neanderthal genome that published in 2010 shows that modern humans and Neanderthals definitely interbred, but only on a limited scale because the average person only has 2% of, you know, Neanderthal DNA. Um, well, that's not true. The average European and Asian person, the average is about 1% to 4%. African, 0%. Which makes sense, yes. Right. Yes. Because the Neanderthals were never in Africa. Yes. Um, but a 2018 study says the proportion of Neanderthal ancestry is about 12 to 20% higher in East Asian individuals than it is to European individuals. Hmm. And that suggests multiple interbreeding events through different times and places. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got for this week's episode. And uh, in, in two weeks, we're going to be back and uh, I'm going to answer the question, what happened to all these ancient humans and why were Homo sapiens the ones to survive and just also cool stuff about Homo sapiens. I think I probably will cut it off right around the agricultural revolution because sure. that's just too recent. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, just to remind everybody, we do have an email address. Teach me something for, and that is the number, not the word, at gmail.com. And I welcome any corrections on past episodes that clearly I don't know what I said wrong or, you know, saying hi or questions, anything, topic suggestions, yeah. anything like that. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Teach Me Something. Once again, I'm Melissa. And I'm Everett. And I hope you learned something new. 